Hey everybody, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a great episode this week, but before we get started, I want to take some time to talk about the partners of this podcast. The Bear Hunting Podcast is proud to be partnered with Bear Hunting Magazine. Uh, Bear Hunting Magazine's been in print for over 18 years. Um, They provide folks with some just great information on bear hunting. So if you're a bait guy, spawn stock, houndsman, um, or just you know, trying to go on a bear hunt, look for an outfit or something, check them out. Uh, they got it all. Also, if you haven't seen it before, Bear Hunting Magazine produces the show Bear Horizons. Um, it's free online and just got all kinds of great bear hunting stuff, so definitely check it out. Um, there'll be a link for all this stuff in the podcast description. So, also, um, if you want to subscribe to Bear Hunting Magazine, which I highly recommend, use the promo code BHP at checkout to receive $5 off a subscription, which is already at a really, really great rate. So, uh, you really can't, it's worth every penny for sure. So, the Bear Hunting Podcast is also partnered with Batum 907 Bear Attractants out of Alaska. Uh, if you're looking for some quality bear attractants uh, and all kinds of flavors from blueberry, they've got cherry, uh, they've got this stuff called nasty boar, which uh, it calls in uh, either is really great for grizzly bears or uh, um, like big black bear boars or whatever. Um, they got all kinds of stuff like that and uh, attractant sprays and ground covers and that sort of thing. So uh, check them out at uh, Batum907.com. Now, lastly, before we get into this episode, um, if you could do me a favor, um, if you're liking this podcast and getting a lot out of it, please share this podcast on uh, any social media pages that uh, you use, uh, the Bear Hunting Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, so share those pages, um, like them, invite your friends to like the Facebook page, share the episodes, whatever you want to do to uh, get the word out about this podcast, it would be greatly appreciated, so... And uh, lastly, if you have any questions or comments, please, you can send them to me at um, bearhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I personally read, respond, and uh, try to follow up with all the questions I get. And um, your questions oftentimes make their way into these episodes. So if you've got a question that you want answered, uh, just fire away an email to me and I'll uh, try to get a good answer for you. So, all right, thanks and on to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in tonight or today or whenever you're listening. Uh, i got a great guest on today. Uh, we got Douglas Bowes. He's an outdoor writer um, and uh, avid bear hunter. He's actually wrote a couple books on bear hunting, um, particularly on um, spot and stalk and calling. And so I thought he'd be an excellent guest to bring on. So without further ado, how you doing, Douglas? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. So, and be willing to talk to to us. So, no, of course, my pleasure. So cool. Well, I guess for those that uh, don't know who you are, do you want to give me a quick intro about yourself and where you're from, that sort of thing? Sure. I'm uh, basically a hunter, like probably anybody listening to this. I grew up in in Washington State, mm-hmm. and I've uh, written two books on uh, black bear hunting. But I I hunt. Uh, just about anything, uh, elk, deer, uh, anything legal, obviously. Um, my first book was self-published uh, through a company called Lulu.com on, online, and then through that I was able to get a publishing deal uh, for my second book, mm-hmm. uh, The Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting, um, and I just kind of 
threw up every little bit of bare knowledge I had and put it all into that book and found myself here. I'm uh, married with uh, one kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, like anybody else, I have a house, you know, mortgage job, uh, just trying to find the time to hunt and have a good time and spread the word about it at the same time. Yep. Two peas in a pod. That's exactly me. So, <clears throat> cool. Except for I'm not from Washington. I'm from Michigan. <laughs> what part of Washington my brother, are you My from? brother went to school in Michigan. So. Oh, okay. Cool. Very yeah. cool. So, good deal. What part of Washington are you from? I'm from western Washington. I actually live in a very small town called Conway, okay. uh, which has basically a bar and a post office. Nice. Um, and it's about 60 miles north of Seattle, so that would be the easiest way to tell people. I live in the green part of Washington, <laughs> which is western Washington. A lot of people don't realize or know that eastern Washington is uh, is very desert-like, and uh, yeah. with the exception of crops, but it's very hot, very dry, very deserty. Yep, yep. And now, is the whole state sort of mountainous, or, uh, I mean, is there mountains pretty much spread throughout, or is there a bit of flatland, too? We we have everything from like rolling wheat fields over in the Palouse area, mm-hmm. which is kind of by Spokane, um, to volcanic mountains, uh, which is Mount Baker or Mount Rainier. I'm I'm you know uh, not even a hundred miles from Mount Baker. Okay. Um, and then we have you know rainforest to desert to coastline. I mean really, everything you can imagine is pretty much here, with the exception of palm trees. Right. <laughs> that would be pretty funny, but <laughs> yeah, That's where funny. I live, it's it's um, there's a lot of evergreen trees, a lot of uh, rolling foothills, and then there's the North Cascades. I basically live on the foot of the North Cascades, okay. um, which is kind of uh, I call it the the American Alps. It's very very pretty, very yeah. rugged. Yep, the pictures definitely look cool. So never been to Washington State myself, but. Uh... It's something on my my near future list, I think. But well, if you ever get the chance, North Cascades Highway is is definitely worth taking. Okay, good to know. Good to know. So, well, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally off topic of bear hunting, but I was I was looking on your Instagram, <laughs> and you said you're getting a rabies vaccination. What's up with that? Yeah, that. Uh, so interesting story. All right. So if I was a single man, I wouldn't be getting the rabies vaccination. Okay. But uh, I woke up the other day, my wife and I, and we had a bat in our bedroom that had stayed the night with us overnight, uh, sitting on the fan in the window. Uh-huh. And so what had happened basically was is uh, my cat must have pushed open. We have this little uh, entrance way to our attic in the closet, and it must have popped open that door somehow, and it didn't get shut. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's how the bat got in. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. I go to get the bat, and the bat's kind of lethargic and, and acting kind of screwy. Uh-huh. So I grab kind of a thick sock, and I grab the bat, and of course it's angry and screeching at me and everything else like any other wild animal would be. Right. And uh, I carry it outside, and I didn't want to let it loose because I have an outside cat as well and a dog, and I thought, well, if this thing is rabid, I don't want them getting bit or anything. And so I basically took a rock to the bat and killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife looked online for the health department said hey any any exposure to bats you should bring it in get it tested yeah and me thinking that rabies is passed through saliva you know they can at least test the mouth or something well no they actually need the head intact and i smashed that with a rock so they couldn't test it for rabies to find out whether or not we had it or it had it yeah so to be on the safe side whether we 
they they say that the bats uh, if they bite you at night or something you you don't even feel it half the time they scratch you bite you you don't notice it no so to be on the safe side we decided to get rabies vaccinations yeah yeah better be so safe that's, with that. that yeah that's been fun um, <laughs> several it starts off with about four or six shots and then it's another week or fourteen days of additional shots throughout so. <laughs> Quite the party. Right. <laughs> Rabies is nothing to mess with. If uh, It's funny, if you start showing symptoms, you're already dead, pretty much. There's there's no coming back. You're dead within uh, 10 to 14 days. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. There's That's nothing cool. they can do once you get a fever or any of that stuff. So it's it's always best to err on the side of caution. Exactly. Good to know. Good to know. Well, huh. I, I didn't know that bats would bite you and you wouldn't even feel it. That's crazy. Huh. Yeah, well, I, I argued that fact. I said, look, I'm a pretty light sleeper. You know, if anything even moves in my house, I wake up. But uh, right. uh, evidently, the bat flew around, and I didn't notice it, so. Right, exactly. That's that's <laughs> wild, so. Yeah, it was crazy. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I saw those, like, what's, what's going on there? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, it's an odd thing. But, uh, you know, talking to the health department, it's quite common, especially in the summer, um, I guess like 1% of the bats in the area carry rabies, okay. but of the ones that get brought in by people, 5 to 10% of those carry rabies. And so we just said, ah, we'll just, we'll go ahead and get the shots. Yeah, better be safe than sorry. So Yeah, plus I'm a trapper too, and I know skunks carry rabies and stuff like that in their saliva, and so that's, um, yep. it's just kind of beneficial all around just to get right. it done. Exactly, exactly. I don't think bears carry well i don't know do bears carry anything rabies? that anything that suckles an animal when it's when it's born basically can carry rabies okay so interesting yeah. interesting cool <clears throat> so back on track now <laughs> <laughs> back to bear hunting back to bear hunting how did you get into bear hunting uh like a lot of people i kind of stumbled into it i was deer hunting mule deer hunting over in eastern washington mm-hmm. and uh, i was walking this this log and road spur, my dad just dropped me off, and I was looking for deer and looking down this gully, and I saw this bear, and I thought, oh, man, you know, this is a sweet bear. I've never seen one in the wild, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shot, I ended up hitting it, and then killing the bear, and I thought, man, I get on the radio, and, man, I just killed this huge bear. It's huge. you got to come up and see it. Mm-hmm. We run up there to see it, and it's about the size of a, probably a Labrador, maybe a little bigger. <laughs> if it's the old ground shrinkage, you know, yeah. I thought, Oh, that's huge. And then, well, when I shot, it was sitting on its butt. And I thought, what is what is the bear doing sitting on its butt? It looked like he was picking stuff off the ground, eating it. Well, what had happened was is the bear was uh, eating an old cougar kill that had a ton of maggots on it. And she was sitting on her butt, picking the maggots off with her claws and then putting them in her mouth. So when I shot her, she rolled in the pile of maggots <laughs> and dead deer. And then I had to roll this stinky, nasty bear off of this mess and then gut it and clean it. So. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of how I fell into it, just by accident. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, and then then from there, I just I really got into it. My older brother was into bear hunting. Um, he had some success and kind of taught me what to look for and and how to pursue it. And so I just kind of started to self teach myself, read a lot online, and watch videos, and and that's how it went. That's awesome. Cool. Very cool. <clears throat> so so how long have you been hunting bears then? Uh, I've been hunting bears. I'm 41 now. I want to say I started at about 28, 29. Okay. So over a decade. Okay. Sweet. So a little ahead of me. I'm in year seven or eight bears. So you're a little oh, ahead of me. Yeah. But cool. Sweet. 
Well, that's neat. So, you know, that that was sort of by chance. Now, you, you know, you just sort of stumbled upon that bear while mule deer hunting. Were Once you started to actively hunt um, bears, were you mostly spawn stalking them or re, did you take a calling or because in washington you can't use bait or, or hounds right correct no bait no hounds and no scent so okay. i think it was in 1994 they passed that law which is okay. unfortunate um mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't understand the the benefits of hounding and and baiting and stuff like that not to say that i ever did it yeah uh back then um but, you know, there is there is a great benefit to that, ensuring that, you know, you only shoot a mature boar or, you know, there's a dry sow, that type of thing. You want to yeah. make sure of what you're getting into. Yep. So in this state, uh, when I first started, it was spot and stock, and it was also uh, predator calling. I uh, like to do predator calling for coyotes and bobcats. Randy Anderson of the Primos Calling All Coyotes fame kind of got me into calling coyotes. And um, predator calling for bears is just something I kind of picked up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the first bear I ever called in was actually, I was, I was elk hunting, um, and I was using a, uh, a cow call, and it came into the cow call. And I thought, well, this is pretty sweet. If you can call in a bear with a cow call, what else can you get, you know? Right. So. Well, that's cool. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. So I guess, so what's your preferred method then? Is it, is it calling or is it spot and stalk? I I like to call for several reasons, um, okay. and reason number one is is in Washington, especially Western Washington, mm-hmm. mainly where I hunt, it's very thick, mm-hmm. um, and and people are like, oh, you know, it's not as thick as where I live, or this or that, and I would beg to differ. Um, Washington, I mean, where the bears are, lots of times in Washington, it's a clear cut or something to that effect and and it's a solid wall of six to eight feet of uh devil's club and blackberry bushes and there's literal tunnels that the bears have bored through the berries throughout the years i mean it's thick yeah and to spot and stock in those areas is it's difficult to do it's possible and depends on your shooting skill and what type of weapon you're using Mm -hmm. but what i like to do is if i see a spot that looks like it holds bear Mm-hmm. I'll find a spot, you know, up high somewhere on a stump or a, or a rock, something to that effect, and I'll start calling into it yeah. instead of tromping around through there, scaring everything out, you know. And, and a lot of people who are getting into calling, they're like, oh, you know, I don't sound good enough for this or that. Don't worry about how you sound. It's You just want to pique the bear's interest and get the bear to pop its head up or, you know, enough to come in and see what you're doing. That's the big thing. So you don't have to sound exactly just like a dying rabbit does. You need to sound, you know, interesting to the bear mm-hmm. long enough to get a shot and to, you know, observe it to make sure it doesn't have cubs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, but that's crazy. Bear tunnels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally bear tunnels. I've been on my hands and knees through bear tunnels with, you know, my lever action thirty thirty, mm-hmm. looking for a bear that I've shot or something like that. And it's it's crazy. It almost reminds me of like a tunnel rat from uh, Vietnam or something. To that effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I'm, I'm not putting down spawn stocking, though. There are there are several um, areas around here for sure that spawn stock is a great benefit. Uh, f- you know, like last year I went goat hunting with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my family up in Mount Baker uh, area, and there was 
you know, nice alpine meadows and stuff like that. And so there's definitely areas to spot and stalk. It's just generally with my evening hunts or morning hunts that I do with bear close to home, everything's real thick. Yeah. Yep. Makes sense. So, yep. That's cool. Now, I mean, just, just for Washington state, right? So would the spot and stalk method for bears be more uh, effective out in the Eastern side of the state then? I definitely, um, spot and stalk on that side of the state, it's a lot more open. Okay. Uh, but, uh, it's hot. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's open so they can see you easy, you know, more easy. Yeah. Uh, so in, in my defense as well, I I like to call over there Mm -hmm. for the fact that it is open. Like you can call into a nice brushy, uh, ravine with a Creek in it or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you might have a nice two, 300 yard shot or, or less. Most of my shots are a hundred yards or less. Right. Um, Yeah. But Eastern Washington, you can definitely do some calling and some spot and stock. It, it's open to kind of either or. It just depends on on how you want to pursue it. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. <clears throat> now, now, is there anybody out in Western Washington that you know does well spot and stock hunting? Like, is that even, or is it, it more or less just glass clear cuts or call? It kind of depends on the hunter. So, I know a lot of people who. And my taxidermist actually is one of them, although now he's getting a little older and he has lost interest in it. But he, uh, he likes to go up into the high alpines mm-hmm. and spot and stock in, in blueberry fields for bear. Okay. Um, and, you know, he'll spend a good three, four, five days up there camping and whatnot. Yeah. Um, then there's people like myself who I usually only hunt in the mornings or in the evenings for bear mm-hmm. um, during especially in, in early August and stuff when it's hot because the bears just kind of hide out. And to me, there's, I'd rather be down by a lake instead of hunting bear in the middle of 90 degree heat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it really just depends on personal preference of the hunter. Um, I, I think, I think callers and spot and stalkers find success. Uh, last year on that same goat hunt, my brother, uh, my younger brother and I, we were glassing for goat. We happened to see a bear down in this bowl, mm-hmm. and he hiked down there, spotted it, stalked it, shot it. So we had a bear to bring out, yeah. plus a goat later on. Nice. Um, um, so, yeah, it's uh, success can be found either or. Okay, gotcha, yep. Because I've, I've just always, you know, I mean, I'm picturing in my head that, you know, it's, it's like thick, like around, you know, where I'm at in Michigan, there's a, it's, really thick especially in the places where it's um <clears throat> more like boreal forest sort of settings mm-hmm. i mean it, and it's thick and i'm just imagining trying to and the, our, our thing around here is pretty flat so you can't even really glass anywhere so oh yeah i'm just picturing like like is it even feasible out west but there there's probably there's got to be some elevation to get a, a above things and oh there's the there's tons i mean okay. there's there's areas where you, you know you'll climb 1500 vertical feet no problem if yeah. not more yeah um and so you know you can get on a ridge line you can get on um even just a log landing looking down into um, clear cuts or you know some and as clear cuts age mm-hmm. you know when they first come out they're real open but yeah. you know not a whole lot of bear hang out in the wide open so once brush starts to happen uh you can spot down in there or the blueberry fields you know they're tall but they're not as tall as say a bear so you can see a bear scurrying around through the blueberry brush yeah um 
or at least a piece of a bear, you know, as you as you're scanning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's definitely all sorts of different types of terrain over here that lends itself to bear hunting for sure. Okay. Open and and brushy. Okay. Cool. Very cool. So, <clears throat> all right. So when it, when it comes to spot and stalk, right? So you know, I want to talk about spring spot and stalk first. Um, okay. So the the general thing I always hear because I, I I don't I have never spot and stalk hunted a bear just because I'm you know from Michigan and I've got great bear hunting opportunities around here and we're able to use bait and hounds and it's just not feasible for spot and stalk around here. Um, eventually I'm gonna make my way out west and do do a spot and stalk hunt but um, but from everything I hear it's always it sounds like to spawn stalk a bear, you go in the springtime anyway. You go and you find a grassy slope, you glass for the bear, you find the bear, you sneak up and you shoot it. I feel like there's got to be more to that story, but that's all I ever hear about, right? So, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, is that really what you end up doing? Are you actually, is that the general synopsis of, of spawn stalk spring hunting then? Well, there, there's more to it. Um, that, that's that's the general synopsis, but okay. that's also saying, um, you know, to go to the store, you get in your car and you drive there and you come back. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, there, there's more to it. <laughs> okay. I kind For of example, in, in Washington State, spring bear hunting is through a special draw only. Okay. Um, unless you're one of the Indian tribes, and I believe most of them can hunt bear year-round, no tag, et cetera, and so forth, but that's a different story um so over here bear do a lot of damage to the timber companies to the trees um, when they're younger when they're say five to ten years old when they're about you take your you take your hands you cup them together kind of make an o Mm -hmm. when they're you know six seven eight inches around the bears will go in there and they'll peel those trees and they peel the cambium layer Mm -hmm. so they'll strip the tree of the bark and then they eat this cambium layer that's under the bark, and it kills the tree the next year. So, I mean, I've been next to a bear stripping trees, and I watched it strip seven, eight trees in the span of not even a half an hour. Oh, wow. And that's one bear, and it killed all those trees. Like, like that, though, all those trees are now dead that I walked by. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they do a lot of damage. So, it, But it depends where you get your tag at. So, like, in western Washington, there's a couple of units that you can put in for that the state allows, say, 25 permits. Um, and those are usually for timber damage. Mm-hmm. Now, in those areas, you want to try to find those younger trees like that, um, trees that are going to be damaged or that have been damaged in previous years, and you can kind of spot those through the red and orange of a dying tree. Okay. Um, you can you know see that from a mile or you know a mile away on a ridge. You can see almost where the bear walked down the previous year. You can just follow those dead trees, and you can see its trail almost. Um, for in eastern Washington, well, there's a couple other um, tags for spring bear over there. Now, that's a little different. They don't necessarily strip the trees over there, but they're still looking for, like you said, grassy areas because that's mm-hmm. kind of the first thing that comes up. Yeah. That's the first amount of food that they can find. And same over here. You want to look for, for, green, or for western Washington. You want to see green, grassy um, areas, you know, south-facing slopes, that type of stuff. Okay. Um, 
so the bears will be in the open and they'll be eating those fresh shoots because uh, that's basically the only food that's around until the calves start dropping or the fawns start dropping. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So there's there's more to it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of figured. So, um, boy, I don't know if I want to go to east or west. Let's go east. So, okay. So in eastern Washington. So when you say you're looking, you're they're on the south facing grassy slopes, right? Are they actually feeding on grass, or is there is it grass or some sort of other vegetation that grows in the grass that they're feeding on? It's grass. It's wild onions. It's you know, it, say there's rotted stumps. They'll be tearing into those stumps with the uh, with the ants and stuff that are starting to come out of hibernation, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's any anything green, and like over here. Over here, if it's not the trees, they're eating skunk cabbage, and skunk cabbage is kind of this long, broad-leafed yeah. um, cabbage-looking thing that grows in swamps, and if you hit it with a stick, it smells like you just kicked a skunk, yep. but yep. the bears happen to eat it. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's you, you just got to find what they're eating that time of year, and this, this is a golden rule for bear hunting. All you bear hunters out there who are having a hard time finding success, this is a golden rule. Find what the bears are eating that time of year and focus on that, and you're going to find bears. If you get away from people, um, you know, bears, their their food changes throughout the year with what is available to them. Yeah. And in the, in the spring, that's green grass and, and wild onions, depending on, you know, where you live. Yeah. Um, it could be prickly pears over in Arizona. I mean, it just depends on what you're looking at. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, so in in Michigan, for instance, um, like skunk cabbage, we have skunk cabbage here, and it does grow in swamps, and that's where you find bears in the springtime. Typically, is in the swamps. So you, you go to a swamp, and you're they're they're everywhere <laughs> this time and, of year. And you know, since you're from Michigan, and you would like to do a spot stock, mm-hmm. but you you have a hard time because it's so thick. I'm telling you, man, you got to bring a little predator collar around your neck. Mm-hmm. and give it a shot because those thick swamps, they hold those bears, and you never know what might pop out and say hi to you, and sometimes they can be pretty close, so it's a lot of fun. You should give it a shot. Yeah, I probably will, so that would be interesting. <laughs> Neat. <clears throat> so, yeah, the um, I can imagine, especially in the springtime, too, because, I mean, nobody, especially around here, calls for, for bears so they would be totally new to the idea it'd be funny <laughs> right yeah so. and you know it, it it doesn't even have to be a local animal so you you probably do you have elk over there where you're at um not right not right nearby me we do have elk in michigan but not nearby me so i mean you could even do a cow call like that and it would be enough to peak that predator instinct yeah you know and it's and i'm sure that's something that they have probably haven't heard before right so they exactly. want to come check it out and you know interesting it's, it's definitely worth a shot huh that's cool yeah i'm gonna have to give that a go i'll let you know how it goes <laughs> so cool so okay so wild onions grass skunk cabbage just basically whatever is available to them now does yeah, it and, the, and those, you know those trees too, especially yeah. um, at least at least in in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, that type of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Once once it starts heating up, um, say you know the first of April on, mm-hmm. uh, that sap starts coming out of those roots into those trees, and it's a sugary sap. That's what they're after. It's a sugary type of sap. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they'll start stripping those Douglas firs or cedar trees and, and going to town on them. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. You know, it's funny because we have a lot of sugar maple trees around here. And mm-hmm. uh, I've always wondered, like, why the bears don't try to get, you know, some sap out of there. <laughs> like, I'm, oh, yeah. I've, I've tried to, I mean, I don't, I guess I've never, I've seen a lot of bear bite marks, but it's always on conifer trees. It's never on um, sugar maples or anything. Huh. And you can, I mean, it, it, in both the books I've written, too, I, I have good examples of, of, you know, the teeth marks that the bears leave when they strip those trees or you can go online too but i mean there's if you if you put in the effort to find out what that looks like you can educate yourself to yeah to figure out what what to look for yep. on stripping trees yep exactly exactly so because there's a lot of things that damage trees i mean i've been walking through the woods and you know because one of the stereotypical things is you know bears claw and tree claw marks on trees and i'll be walking somebody that's um not uh, as bear wise as I am, and they'll go, "Oh, look at that! Is that a bear claw mark?" And no, no, that's that's from a woodpecker, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so and there's well, a lot of sign here. out in the woods, and if you're reading the wrong sign, then uh, you know you're gonna uh, create false illusions for yourself. Go ahead, yeah, sorry, I didn't well, mean to cut you off there. But, and, well, and over here, uh, you know, I've talked to some people who've who've read my book or talked to me personally, and I've. I've pointed out, hey, you know, this is a bear peel, this or that, and they'll be out. Oh yeah, I saw this bear peel, and it and it went all the way to the top of the tree or something. Well, lots of times porcupines, where I'm from, they'll do that. Mm-hmm. They'll go all the way to the top of the tree. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a a distinct difference between a porcupine peel and a bear peel, and and sometimes you can find actual porcupine quills or their scat at the bottom of a tree, but um, and their teeth marks and stuff are smaller. Yeah, um, yep. but yeah, I know what you mean about yep. confusing the sign. Oh. <laughs> yep. So cool. Well, neat. Now, so later in the year, do their food sources change? Like not later in the year, but um, later in the spring, particularly. You know, um, do does their food sources change, or are they still feed on grass pretty much through the rot? Well, the, the problem with their food source mm-hmm. is in the spring, in the early spring. It's localized. Yeah. So, you know, south-facing slopes, areas that get a lot of sun and water, it's going to green up first. Well, then eventually everything's green. And so then what do you focus on, right? You're thinking, oh, man, everything's green. I can't find anything. Yeah. And then in June is kind of where the rut starts. And so the males are out cruising looking for the sows in June. And, and of course, they're still eating, but their main concern is is mating. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and around... Around that time is when you start to get, uh, you know, fawns dropping and calves dropping and stuff like that. So that would be, it kind of goes from grasses and, and vegetable matter till the rut and then, you know, fawns and calves dropping. So it kind of changes a little bit. It goes from, goes from no food to a little bit to a ton. Yeah. So it's hard to focus on. And then you just kind of got to focus on, uh, well, by then, our spring bear season is almost over with anyway. So we're done until August. And so there's kind of that, around here, there's a dead period between basically June 15th and August 1st, depending mm-hmm. on where you live. Yeah. Um, and if you're drawn for a special tag or not, uh, so you don't have to worry about bear hunting between that time. But. Right. Yep, exactly. <clears throat> you know, the, that's an interesting point with it, it's hard to kill bears when they're not there's not concentrated food sources because that applies to everywhere, right? Like, unless you live in a place that's, like, super high bear densities where there's just bears everywhere – you know, um, I mean, like, overpopulations of bears, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even in Michigan, um, 
if you can find, you know, if you can set up like a bait source near um, where a, a food source where bears start to concentrate, like, like for example, we have a later um, season in Michigan that you can start baiting, um, or you can't start hunting till almost October, right? Which is well past like prime, what people would consider prime bear hunting around here. But if you concentrate, um, on say like acorns like oak trees that bear acorns or um uh beech trees that have beech nuts or something or like an apple orchard you know because there's only a few few food sources that they're eating that time of year and if you focus on that you can have phenomenal bear hunting but you got to time it right and, and also yeah. depending on whether those crops are there or not for instance right so, and, that, and that goes back to that that key golden rule that I spoke about, man, you just, you got to find what they're feeding on that time of year, regardless of where you're living and, and focus on that. I mean, even over here or Eastern Washington, particularly too. And this is a good deal even for deer hunting because there's a lot of old abandoned homesteads and, and old orchards and old trees and, you know, old apple trees, this and that. So if you can find some secluded apple tree that's bearing fruit late in the season, Yep. You know, there's going to be bears hitting that, or there's going to be deer around it, you know, that type of stuff. So yep. find those little golden pockets. Even when, so even if you're out deer hunting and you find an old orchard or something, and something might be hitting it, might not, but you want to take notes or mark it on a GPS, something like that, to where you can go back and, and, and make sure that nothing is hitting it or something might be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Give so, yourself notes to go back on. Yep, that's a good idea for sure. So... <clears throat> By the way, I grew up believing, and I still believe, that Michigan has is the superior apple state to Washington State. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't really say I've eaten a whole lot of Michigan apples since I live in Washington State. Most of the apples I'll eat, I'm sure, are Washington apples. But I'll give it to you for, for your kind hosting of the show. <laughs> oh, man. This little... Um, if you don't live in Washington State or Michigan, you do not get that joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> in kindergarten, it's like Idaho and potatoes, guys. That's Idaho and potatoes, Maine lobster. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The only difference is, is is Michigan and Washington State sort of have uh, um, pretty similar abundant apple. Um, uh, what's the word for that? Uh, apple agriculture i don't know but uh oh yeah <laughs> very similar in, in size and output and uh um in uh, all the way from kindergarten we'd have a little presentation about how michigan has more apples produces more apples in washington state <laughs> i thought i thought the only thing michigan had to brag about was m&m i, I I'm, 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 there, there's a I don't know. What can we brag about anymore? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We all love Detroit. We really don't. We really don't. No, oh, no, we I'm could, just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody from Detroit. Poor, I just lost, Detroit. like, like 20 listeners now. They're all like, uh, we, know, we know they love them. They know the, we love them. That's people from Detroit don't love Detroit. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Funny, funny. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Bears. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, where do I want to go with that? Um, we we're talking about food you... sources, concentrated food sources. Um, we were talking about calves. Now, um, 
is there specific like calving grounds that you can focus on um if, later on in the year i i know some calving grounds where i go elk hunting and the only reason i found them is because i was shed hunting and i happened to stumble upon several calves mm-hmm. uh elk calves and i thought well this is obviously a calving ground and uh although i i wasn't hunting bear at the time and i didn't really want to predator call and get bears into the area for the sake of the calves you know they're right. trying to they're trying to make it like anything else and right. and bears will wreak havoc on on fawns and and uh elk calves moose calves that type of stuff any chance they get yeah um so i kind of left them alone uh i usually don't focus on calving areas only because most of the time when i'm hunting it's already past that point okay my focus is usually on remaining berries blackberries blueberries salmon berries that mm-hmm. type of stuff gotcha yeah um now when i call you know i don't i they haven't made a blackberry predator call yet or a blueberry <laughs> predator call so until they do i'm using fawn's distress or coyote distress that type of stuff i'll use you know wounded animal but right exactly okay cool Sweet. Now, so let's talk about fall spawn stock a little bit. So, um, your start date for fall bear hunting is August 1st, you said? Correct, on the western side of the state. Okay, okay. All right, cool. Now, um, you said uh, you have a lot of blackberries there. Is that something you focus on, or uh, where, where do you typically find bears? Um, stick to west washington right now where do you typically find bears um say in august um in the foothills outside of pretty much any town that you go to okay uh, you're gonna find bears a lot of hikers and stuff they're like oh there's bears out here we had no idea well you know we'll have bears walking through downtown Issaquah, which is right at the foothills of the of uh mountain pass Mm-hmm. Um, but during that during that time of year, though, I just focus on the, what berries are in, mm-hmm. and I look for cool draws, like with a creek through it. Um, you know, someplace cool for the bears during those hot days, because that's where they're going to head out. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to go outside one time, if you have a bear rug at your house, go outside, put a bear rug on in, in your yard. You know, don't get shot, mm-hmm. but and see how cool it is in, the, in a 90 degree heat day and where you would want to go. You want to go to those little gullies and draws with, with creeks. And so I always look for cool places with food and with shelter. And that's not too tough to find where I am. The hardest part is getting away from hikers crowds. Yeah. yeah. Um, so interesting. Neat. <clears throat> I can definitely relate right now. Cause I'm actually sitting on a bear pelt on my chair and, uh, it, it is pretty warm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, kick the kick the heat up in your house and walk around with that thing and see where you want to go, and and you'll realize those bears are not as dumb as they look. They they want to cool down somewhere. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, yep, cool. Now, um, do you guys like have like any? Is it pretty much just uh like creeks that you focus on, or do you actually have like swamps or anything around there? Oh, we got. Where there's creeks, there's swamps. I mean, there's okay. swamps everywhere. It just depends on, it depends on kind of where you're hunting, um, you know. And and the focus changes. So as as the season progresses from August to September, you know, by by the end of September, all of our blackberries are pretty much gone. Yeah. But if you can find the occasional pocket of blackberries that are left, the bears are just pounding it. So yeah. if you know of a, if you're walking along, and this this goes for michigan or anywhere where there's berries that it doesn't have to be blackberries but any berries that's ripening Mm -hmm. and say they're going to ripen late in the season 
um, you mark that on your GPS or whatever, and you can go back, and, and that food so- source is going to be there later in the season than, you know, the stuff that ripens first. Mm-hmm. And so the bears are going to follow that. They're going to be able to smell that, follow that, and kind of hit those different areas. Yeah. Uh, and the same goes for us over here. So the blackberries, they kind of peter out by the end of September. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we still have blueberries up high. But as, as the berries kind of all start to die off, mm-hmm. um, it definitely gets harder to find bears later in the season. You need to kind of change your tactics a little bit and increase calling. To me, increased calling later in the season helps out greatly. Okay. Neat. Okay. Now, um, do you guys have any, like, hard mast out there, like acorns or um, some sort of nut like that that bears feed on? Um, not that I really pay attention to. Most of the time when I'm seeing bears are eating berries. Okay. Um, sometimes they'll find them in a, in a farmer's field getting corn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, you know, apples. Because we have so many apple orchards and whatnot, but a lot of those are kind of protected with high fences to keep the deer out and stuff. But they'll, yeah. you'll get a bear going through there and eating apples and whatnot. But yeah. most of that is as an eastern, eastern type of thing. Okay, okay. The gotcha. nuts, you know, that you're referring to. Yep, okay. Cool. Unless I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. There could be a biologist out there that says, hey, you know, there's the Washington acorn nut that you didn't mention, so you could be right, but to my knowledge, that's, that's <laughs> right. what I think. But you mainly, but, but there is berries pretty much consistently all the way through October that they can feed on then. Yes, definitely. Okay. From, okay. from August 1st till, um, you know, October, there's berries around. Okay, okay. Cool. Depending on the berry. Yep. Yeah. See, that's that's something a little different than around here, anyways. Um, uh, usually our berries are pretty much petered out by September first. There's some lingering raspberries a little bit into September, and but other than that, I mean, because we don't have like uh, something that would last a little bit later would be like um, like highbush cranberry or something like that. But we don't really have a whole lot of that here, so mm-hmm. it's not really a, a a food source the bears can, I mean, they'll, they'll opportunistically feed on it, but it's not something they, you know, come to and just hammer. So not like, not like our blueberries or raspberries or cherries or something. So it, it's not uncommon to walk by down a logging road, even or a trail. And, and it looks like somebody took a stick to a blackberry bush and just beat the heck out of it. And that's <laughs> a bear tearing into it, you know, eating it like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. And you know, that, I might have mentioned that before, but it, it, it changes as, as the season progresses, you know, those, those berries, the lowland ones, they'll die off. And then, you know, you kind of, you need to bounce around to find where that food source is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, basically, can you, can you almost follow the berries up, you know, basically up, upland, like up the mountains, like as the season goes along? It it does kind of change a little bit in elevation. Um, in, in late season, I think the bears definitely start heading up Okay. Uh, in elevation, getting away from the foothills because there's, there's not a whole lot of food for them back down low. Most of the berries have died off because okay. they've you know, they ripen first mm-hmm. um, lots of times because they're low and, and it's more available for them to, to start to ripen. And then, because uh, it's cooler up top, you know, mm-hmm. and then as the season, as summer gets hotter and stuff, and then the berries start to ripe um, further down the, or further later in the season up higher, then the bears just kind of follow that up. Now, that doesn't mean every bear leaves the lowlands because there's still stuff to eat down low. There's, um, you know, there's fawns, there's miscellaneous things that the bears happen to eat. They're, they'll start tearing into um, 
stumps, ants. Uh, 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 what am I thinking of? Oh, the things that eat wood. Oh, oh my um, mind. Um, uh, things that eat wood, like um, um, termites. Termites, not woodchucks. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, termites, good. you know, that type of stuff. Any sort yeah. of grub like that, you know, they'll flip over rocks and stumps and whatnot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. I find I find that quite a bit here actually too. It's funny because you'll go and you'll see this giant log flipped over, and you're like, in the middle of the woods, you're like, there's only one thing that did that. Well, unless you believe in Bigfoot, then there's two things. But <laughs> yeah, they they, uh, they definitely leave their mark on things that they want to. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So cool. All right. Well, we talked a lot about where to find bears, right? So. Um, how, once you spot a bear, um, you personally, how do you close the distance? Are you, are you like, um, once you spot a bear, are, are you pretty aggressive? Like, I'm going to go after this bear right now, or are you sort of passive? Like, let him, you know, if it's in the morning, let him go in bed down and assume he's going to be back. What, what, what's sort of your strategy for, um, putting a stock on a bear? It, it really depends on the situation. So... To me, when I'm when I'm looking or glassing or using binos and whatnot, looking for a bear, if I see a black spot and it doesn't, if I count to ten and it doesn't move, I think it's a stump because it seems like bears are almost constantly on the move. Mm-hmm. And so it's difficult for me to see a bear from a great distance and think, okay, I'm gonna scurry over there and the bear will st- still be there, or I'm gonna you know let that bear be there overnight and he'll be in that same spot now. That's not necessarily true. Last year was a great example when we were goat hunting. Um, we could glass pretty much any blueberry field, and a bear would be in it and pretty much stayed in that area until the food was exhausted and then would move on, but it would be there for a good couple of days. Yeah. Um, me personally, lots of times when I spot bear, they're, most of the time they're almost already in shooting distance Okay. Um, because of the fact that I predator call so much mm-hmm. um, or... When I am walking, um, as I hunt, I walk very slow, and I'll lots of times I'll hear a bear long before I ever see it. Um, so if you're hearing something, it's already pretty close. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have to be super aggressive. I can I can pinpoint on that movement or on that sound. And when bears are comfortable, they're loud. They're they're crashing. They're huffing. You know, snorting, yeah. tearing into stuff. And you can you can tell that sound, and then you can focus on it find it and then uh see if you want to hunt it that's cool neat yeah i keep forgetting you know because i guess like watching um especially on like hunting shows or whatever it's always like you know you're spotting a bear from you know a mile away and it's like how are we going to close the distance but especially with like western washington you're <laughs> pretty much in the thick of it with them half the time so yeah half the time but um so the the bear that my brother killed last year um we spotted it it was probably oh at least a quarter mile maybe a half mile away and probably eight nine hundred feet um in lower elevation so i mean it was a ways um and he just decided to kind of just go for it and the bear was none the wiser the bear had no idea until he had he had fired and he shot probably under 100 yards um so because it because it was distracted and comfortable with food yeah um that was that was key it wasn't it wasn't uh scared it didn't smell them 
yeah. you know, you can you can fool a bear's eyes, but you're never going to fool its nose, and that's the key point. Yep, yep. Now, do you have, um, you know, especially if you're specifically, you know, spot and stalking, glassing for bears from like a, you know, glassing knob or something, do you have any preferred methods for trying to like have the wind like right at the, at the you know, at the start, or um, can you not really do much about that? Um, it, it just depends. So in the morning, especially in eastern Washington, mm-hmm. um, and, and here too, but eastern Washington we have a kind of a high fluctuation of morning temperatures to evening temperatures, and it, it heats up quick over there. So you got the morning thermals that come up, you know, they come up the mountain. Mm-hmm. whereas in the evening when it gets cool it blows down you know it blows down the valley yeah so with that you want to kind of keep that in mind if you're if you're going to be spotting in the evening um you might want to be looking kind of more to your left or right not directly below you where the wind's going to be blowing and then blowing things out of there yeah uh if i if i see a bear most most of the time if i see a bear at, at a distance that i think it can hear my call i will try to call to it to have the bear close the distance to me so it does the work and not me. Okay. And so it's coming in to me instead of me trying to skirt to it. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> okay. Neat. Well, cool. Okay. So it sounds like you you almost use a conjunction. Like you, you go and you try to find get close to where the bears are, um, and then you rely on calling for the most part. It, a lot of times, okay. um, I'll, I'll use my binos a lot to spot um, for, you know, if I'm if I'm kind of far away or whatever, I'll glass down into a clear cut or I'll glass down into a meadow or a, or a tree line or something like that, be looking for bears. And then kind of once I spot it, because of the fact that it's so thick, um, lots of times where I hunt, it's, it's just not necessarily feasible to scurry through a wall of blackberry bushes. But if you can, you know, get up on a stump or something and have the bear come to you, yeah that's all the better okay um you know because a bear a bear is comfortable to a point but if if you're being noisy and, and crashing through brush and stuff unless it thinks you're an elk yeah um <laughs> you know it might vacate the area unless it's a bigger bear and doesn't care about it right exactly okay but no there are definitely hunters in washington and idaho and oregon and whatnot mm-hmm. that spot and stock is a complete possibility and it and it still is for me too it's just doesn't happen to be the type of territory that i frequently hunt for bear right yep that's okay. the, that's the big point spot and stock for bear is completely possible feasible and a lot of people do it and are very successful at it okay gotcha so um i i guess walk me through like the perfect like setup to that you would call a bear in um in the fall so like you would go out, um, say we're in August, you would go and try to find a, you know, ripe berry patch that the bears are in, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So well, let me change that a little bit for okay, you. Okay, go you, ahead. Were, you asked for a perfect calling situation in August. Yeah. Uh, that makes it a little difficult only because there's so much food around. Yeah. So I, I've called in August lots of times, and I'll have a bear coming in, and it's, you know, coming down the line, yeah. and stops. All of a sudden, for no apparent reason whatsoever, but it's right next to a large huckleberry bush that, <laughs> hey, I've got food right here. Why am I wasting my time, energy, and effort to go kill that rabbit that's screaming? I'm just going to eat right here. And then, yeah. you know, it pays no attention to me. Right. Now, in September, mm-hmm. when food starts to get a little more scarce, especially late September, October, mm-hmm. um, 
kind of before deer season for us anyway, uh, that's a good time to call. And the the perfect type of setup would be, you know, you want the wind at your back blowing down your lane of fire because lots of times bears are like coyotes. They're going to circle and try to smell you. So you want to have that as be your, your main shooting lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you want to call kind of just areas that look bearish. So, for example, there's there's bass fishermen out there that they see a, a dock or a log or something like that. Man, there's a bass under there. You know, that's where bass live. I want to I want to cast out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Same way with bear hunters, at least for bear callers. I can look at an area and say, man, I'm telling you, there's a bear down there. Whether or not he shows up, that's a different story. But I'm going to cast out. Yeah. I e I'm going to call and mm-hmm. and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so usually you want food, cover, water, mm-hmm. and area. That's basically what you're looking for. So uh, ravines, um, nasty spots where hikers aren't blowing through, um, places that, you know, most people tend to avoid, but bears love nice brushy areas, swamps, um, edge lines. Predators love edge lines. Um, You know, foxes, coyotes, they'll follow those those fence lines and stuff. And so natural edge lines like tree lines and whatnot, you want to call into and see if you can get them to come out. Yeah. Okay. Neat. Okay, cool. Um, and and if you get the chance, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but no, if no, you get the fine. chance, bring, bring a partner with you. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, that can help. Okay. Now, why bring a partner with you? Um, there have been times where I've been predator calling, mm-hmm. and I've had a partner with me, but I would have never seen the bear if it wasn't for the partner. So a lot of new-time callers... When they're out there calling, they're like, man, I've called 10 times, i never seen nothing. Well, that doesn't mean nothing hasn't came into you. Yeah. Um, I've called at least once with my brother, and I had two bears come in. One bear as close as 15 yards behind me. I never even saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see it, didn't hear it, but he saw it. Uh, and he ended up shooting the second bear that I called in about five minutes later. That, again, I didn't see, but it was behind me. It was coming in to uh-huh. see what I was and kill me. Yeah. Um, and he happened to see it and shoot it. So there's lots of times there's blind spots. Even when you're calling, no matter how of a nice open area or good of a setup you have, there's spots that animals can come in and find your blind spot and check you out and then vacate and you never even know they showed up. Yeah. That's why you want to partner sometimes. Some people want it for safety. I could care less. Mm -hmm. I mean, not not to throw safety to the wind, but... You know, I don't think I'm going to die from a bear attack necessarily or a cougar <laughs> attack. I think probably a cheeseburger would get me before any of those things <laughs> Yep, yep. McDonald's. Of course, I say that now, and then, you know, you'll see me on the news. Local <laughs> idiot gets his neck broken by a cougar attack. <laughs> Local bear off, bear hunting yeah. author. <laughs> Got what he deserved. Got what he... Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it would be spun around here. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, that's the the anti hunter um, um, media outlet or media oh, yeah. release. <laughs> yep. Yep. That that dog, he got what he deserved. <laughs> that's right, killing those nice, innocent, sweet little tasty bears. I know, tasty bears, yum yum. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, last thing I want to talk about because we got to start wrapping this up is. Um, do you now do bears um when you're calling do they tend to circle you and try to to try to wind what's up there or do they just come charging in it it depends on the bear so smaller bears 
sometimes they'll put in the sneak because they, they want to know, in my opinion, they want to know what's going on, what's causing that thing to be screeching. So is it another big bear or is it, you know, a pack of wolves? What's, yeah. what's causing that screech and am I in danger of being here? So they'll kind of come in and take a look. A bigger bear, he's like, hey, I don't care. I'm going to come kill whatever that is and then eat it and then kill anybody else who bothers me. <laughs> so the bigger bears, they'll just come barreling in sometimes. Okay. Uh, but not not every time. I mean, I've had bears come in, you know, huffing and, and smacking trees on their way in and breaking brush and growling. And I've had other bears just really slowly walk. I've even had some bears come and they'll sit down in the wide open at 200 yards and watch you for an hour <laughs> and, and you know not not care what you're doing they're just curious about it yeah yep exactly um, what's going on here <laughs> but, but you know i think a lot of times they will circle to try to smell you because that's their main defense um but it, yeah it just de- it just depends on kind of uh, on the bear's attitude okay <clears throat> neat that's cool now, um, how often are you calling in other predators? Like uh, when you're when you're doing, do you? I mean, I know Washington has a pretty high bear population, but how often are, are you know, is a cougar come running in or uh, um, coyotes or? I don't know. If coyotes I'm... are fairly common. Okay. To get coming in, um, coyotes are kind of quick. So when you're calling bears, you want to call bear. You want to have your set for like an hour. Okay. You don't want to call for 15 minutes and, get, and give up. Okay. Think of think of bear hunting like playing with a cat. Um, when you're playing with a cat and you have a string and you're flicking it around, the cat's really interested. But as soon as you stop flicking that string, the cat's like, nah, I don't care about this, and starts walking away. But as soon as you move that string again, the cat's right back at it, right? Yeah, yeah. Same thing with bear calling. If you're <clears> squealing <throat> on that call, lots of times bears will only walk while you're calling. So if you stop, the bear stops. Mm-hmm. You start calling, the bear starts walking. And I've, I've observed this I don't know how many times. Yeah. So think about that when when you're calling a nice wide open area. Think how long is it going to take for me to walk from where I think that bear is to where I am? Mm-hmm. And you know, it might take you an hour, it might take a bear an hour. Mm-hmm. It just depends on on how often you're calling. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Um, Go ahead. So yeah, that, that's now getting back to your question. I got off on a tangent there. Oh, yeah. So you're good. <laughs> coyotes fairly often. Yeah. Um, cougars. I don't know how often I call in cougars. Um, because they kind of hide. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm sure that I have, and I've had bobcats come in mm, a good couple times. I've actually had a bobcat almost jump in my lap, uh, and there's <laughs> there's a picture of it, and the story is in my book. But uh, yeah, uh-huh. the the bobcat. There's a picture of it right at the end of my barrel on my gun, and I I swung as it went to jump on my lap because um, I thought it was a cougar. Just a split second, you know. Mm-hmm. All I saw was eyes and a tail, and I thought cougar, and I swung, and <laughs> it stopped right dead at the end of my barrel, and then just it, their little short tail just kind of flickers like he was—you could tell he was disappointed. He's like, "Oh yeah. man," and he, he bounded off. But this isn't a, what I wanted. <laughs> I thought if I don't get a photo of this, no one is going to believe me this happened. And amazingly, I was able to get a photo of it. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, pretty cool. Sweet. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Now, um, uh, last thing, I swear, last thing. Do you ever, uh, you might have mentioned this earlier, but do you ever try to use a fawn or calf decoys um, in conjunction, conjunction with calling? Uh, in conjunction with calling? So, 
Oh, decoys, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah decoys. Well, yeah. I've, I've written about that uh, a little bit in the book, too. Um, like Montana decoy, they put out a decoy called a Fonzie, okay. which is uh, it's a baby fawn. It's a deer. Yeah. And I used that in conjunction with, say, a Fox Pro electronic collar. Most of the time when I'm calling, I'm using a handheld collar because it's smaller, um, and I can, I can be more versatile with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox Pro makes a great product, and I've had success with it. Uh, I'm not putting them down whatsoever, and no, I'm not sponsored by them. Yep. <laughs> um, but it's just my preference that I use a little hand call. Um, okay. Lots of times, I, ha- I have used fawn um, decoys with calling, or mm-hmm. the other thing, too, is, is I'll, take, um, I'll take some fishing line, and I'll tie it to a bush, you know, uh, ahead of me a bit, and I'll kind of just jerk it with my hand to make that bush move a little bit. Because if you think about it, animals will, predators, they want to see that movement. Something's screaming and getting killed, and they're wondering why why isn't there any movement? Because you sound like a hurt rabbit. Hurt rabbits, I don't know if you've ever seen one, but they're flipping around, they're going nuts. Right. Or if something's tearing apart something, that, you know, there's movement to it. So if you can make that movement with, a fawn decoy or a mojo critter or something as simple as some fishing line tucked to a bush and you're making that thing move, especially with cats. Cats mm-hmm. find that movement irresistible and they'll, they'll come flying in for it yeah. or at least creeping in. Yeah. Um, so movement and sound is key. And, you know, put some heart into it when, you, when you're calling. Um, you want to start off kind of slow, like you're just kind of getting hurt, and then during the, the peak of your calling, you know, that's the worst of your pain, and then as you end near the end of your set, you kind of slow down because you're dying, and then eventually you just whimper and die away. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's a scenario you kind of want to build in your head. Okay. Is, is the rabbit getting killed by a coyote? You know, are, are, is... Are there coyotes killing other coyotes? You, know, you can you can build these scenarios in your head thanks to Randy Anderson. This is a Randy Anderson tip here. Okay. Uh, and and build off that scenario. Now he concentrates on coyotes. I concentrate on bears, but it works either or. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Make the story believable. That's cool. That's right. That's cool. Neat. So awesome. Oh, cool. All right. So. Um, how about, I mean, you've told me a lot of bear hunting stories. Do you have a personal best or favorite bear hunting story? It can be either with spotting stock or calling or whatever. I've, I've got, uh, yeah, how much time do you have? I mean, oh, I've, I've got, got all kinds of time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a ton. Um, my, my favorite one, and, and this isn't a plug, but it's mm-hmm. true. My favorite one is, is the ultimate guide to black bear hunting on the cover. There's a bear that's coming in uh-huh. at me. Okay. Um, that happens to be my first triple call in. So I had this bear and two other bears coming in at me at the same time. Okay. No um, I would go into deeper detail, but I'm going to leave that to those who purchase the book. <laughs> uh, but, but one of my, one of my favorite calls, well, one of my other favorite calling sessions was that bobcat that almost jumped in my lap. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different ones. Um, you know, I, I, I think a simple one that is kind of the seed that started all this is that call that when I was cow calling to a bull up on a hill and I could hear this bull bugling, I was archery elk hunting mm-hmm. and, uh, so I'm cow calling and, uh, I had called in, um, 
a bowl a couple of days before with the same cow call. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll keep trying it, and I could hear the bowl getting closer and bugling, but it, it was kind of hung up on the hillside. Oh, man, it sure sounds like there's another one closer, and I could coming up out of this brushy draw with this creek and crashing, crashing, crashing. I think, man, this bull's going to be on top of me any minute. So I grab my bow and knock an arrow in it, and it's getting close, and I pull back, and I'm thinking, oh, here it comes. Boom. And it, was, it was this black bear like 20 yards from me from mm-hmm. that from that cow call. And uh, I was so stunned thinking that it was going to be an elk, uh, and it was a bear. I was just kind of dumbfounded, and by the time I realized what was going on, the bear moseyed up into the brush, but that was the first time I had actually uh, physically confirmed I called in a bear, and that kind of started my love affair with bear calling. That's awesome. Uh, so that's kind of my my first and one of my favorites. Nice. I've got a lot more, but a lot of those are in the several chapters of the, the book. But uh, Yeah, definitely. Books. But, uh, so, so let's talk you know, about your books. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I just, uh, well, I was just going to encourage people. I said, hey, yeah. You know, read my stories if you want to, but go out there and live your own bear calling stories or bear hunting stories. It's a it's a great sport to get you out, you know, before deer season or, you know, just to get out and get healthy and yep. and enjoy the meat and enjoy the hide. They're wonderful animals and they deserve our respect. Yes, definitely. Oh. <clears throat> definitely. They are magnificent animals for sure. So no doubt about that. Speaking of meat, what's your favorite bear recipe? Um so with bear, I really like bear fajitas. I'll take a ham or something like that or a uh-huh. backstrap, and I'll, I'll cut it real thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I basically, I'll just take some salsa, pour it in a pan, um, brown the meat with onions and peppers and spices and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, throw it on a tortilla and, and get to eating. Um, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to say, I really like breakfast sausage, pep sticks, and summer sausage, but I don't do that myself yeah. necessarily with bear. I'll do it with deer and elk and stuff like that, but with bear, I actually I send it to my butcher, mm-hmm. who I grew up with his daughters throughout school, and so I like to support local help, mm-hmm. uh, local businesses. And uh, But he makes a bear sausage and summer sausage that it, it doesn't hurt my stomach. Like, if I buy breakfast sausage... That bothers my stomach. Yeah, uh, bear bear sausage doesn't. It's a nice lean um, meat that doesn't bother me. So right, exactly. <clears throat> yep, I know exactly what you mean. So you go and you go and and especially it seems like like things like pepperoni and stuff. If you go and and, and buy that, it hurts my stomach. And same, but oh yeah, it's, it's, but you make your own. It's just oh, it's good. So and yeah, no no issues there. So. And there are some recipes in the back of that book, too, for those who are new to the bear hunting deal or those who aren't. Um, there's bear stroganoff and, oh, backstrap fajitas, all sorts of stuff in there. Yep, yep. Cool. So let's talk about your books. So you've got two. Um, the first one uh, is No Bait, Just Bears, correct? Correct. Okay, yep. And so that um, tell me about that book first. Um, that was just kind of a pet project of mine. It was, it was self-published, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, it was just something that I wanted to do because I, so many bear hunting books are about baiting or with hounds. And in the state of Washington, you can't use either. Right. And so there's a lot of people out there who had no idea what to look for 
and that book specifically is just about hunting black bear without the use of bait or hounds, hence the name No Bait, Just Bears. Um, so that was kind of my first attempt at, at writing, uh, and it has its, you know, I did my own editing and stuff like that um, with the help of Lulu or whatever, but, you know, so there's there might be a, a misspelled word here or there, but I think for the most part it was a solid representation of, of some good knowledge on, on bear hunting. Yeah. The the second book, uh, Ultimate Guide to Black Bear Hunting, was I was actually picked up by a publisher to write that book, which was quite a privilege. Um, Skyhorse was kind enough to um, offer that up, and um, they did a fantastic job with editing and whatnot. And that contains you know information on baiting, calling, spawn stock, spring fall, mm-hmm. pretty much everything about the first book and more. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I make money on the first book, but if if I tell people to buy a book, I always say buy the second one uh, because it just it's more bang for the buck. Awesome, um, and yep. it's an awesome it's a it's a good representation of what of pretty much what you're going to need to know to to at least get start bear hunting. And then if you've been bear hunting, you might want to and haven't tried calling or spot and stock. You've only baited or hunted with hounds. You should really check it out. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So <clears throat> cool. Sweet. Now, um. Can you find um, both books on Amazon and everything? Yes, um, you can find both books, uh, both ebook, uh, so electronic book mm-hmm. or uh, physical copy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Apple iStore, Walmart, Target. But if you're going to buy the first book, No Bait Just Bears, no offense to Amazon, but don't buy it off of Amazon. Go to Lulu.com because it's going to be about half price. Okay. Um, Amazon kicks it up quite a bit, um, so Lulu L U L U dot com. Buy it off of there. Okay. It might take a little bit of while to get to you because it's print per order. Okay. Um, but it takes you know probably two weeks. Okay. Whereas uh, you know if you buy it off of Amazon, you buy the second book off Amazon, it's going to get to you you know however quick you want to order it. They're already made. Gotcha. So and the, yeah, like I say, there's the ebook and that's a little bit cheaper. But I I personally like physical copies of books, um, so I have physical copies. Yep. Yep. I'm not a huge, I mean, ebooks are convenient, but I like physical copies too. So, yeah, same here. Yeah. Just in case, you know, I don't know, the apocalypse happened and lost all power, you know, you, you want your books. Yeah, you I mean, have... they're just fun to, fun to drag along or bring to hunt camp or, you know, whatever. If you're, if you're bored around hunt camp or you oh, want yeah. a good Christmas gift or yep. whatever, that's what they're there for. Exactly. So cool. Awesome, and I'll have all the links for all this in the description description of this podcast. So, um, um, so if you missed um, Lulu.com or anything like that, we'll, we'll it'll be there. So, anyway, um, well, I guess let's wrap this up. Do you have any uh, any parting thoughts or anything like that? Um, no, just thanks for having me. Thanks for anybody who purchased the book or you know wants to learn more about bear hunting. I just appreciate the support. Uh, I support you guys, and I want you guys to get out there and enjoy bear hunting. Get your kids out there. Get your wives out there, girlfriends. Um, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot to learn. Like, every time I go out, bears teach me something. Um, so, you, you know, I, I'm no expert. I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. I've just had a little bit more time to 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 do it, and I just want to share that with people who want to learn. So yeah. best of luck to everybody this, this coming season, and, Keep plugging away and support those groups, man. Join those join Michigan Bear Hunters, you know, support uh, Bear Hunt Magazine. Yep. Um, 
Rocky Mountain Health Foundation, that type of stuff. So just support what you can for conservation. We need it. Yep, definitely. Especially as bear hunters. We've got a gigantic target on our back. Yeah. Oh, and a parting thought. If you're a spot and stalker and, you know, you don't bait or you're a bait guy and you don't spot and stalk, support each other because they're going to try to split us up and break us up, and that's how they defeat you. So, I mean, you might not agree or you might not want to do baiting, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that's one way of of getting rid of bear hunting, and that's their step. So support each other financially, verbally. Stand up for each other, guys. We need it. Yep. Could not agree more. Awesome. So, all right. Thanks, Doug. Really appreciate you coming on, and thanks for sharing your knowledge, and uh, um, we'll have to have you back on. I didn't even scratch the surface, so. <laughs> no, no, we have, we have we got a lot more to talk about, I think, so we'll, we'll try this again. Definitely, so. All right, folks, have a great night. Thanks again, Doug. See ya. You bet. Thank you.